1: Holy cow, what a ball game we have here tonight in
2: Pawtucket. Three o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold, and you're still playing
3: baseball in the month of April, and you're wondering, what the hell are we doing here? We have a chance here tonight in little old Pawtucket, Rhode Island, to get in the history books. It was just the
4: battle. It was just the battle for the last run. This is
1: unbelievable.
5: Here we go.
0: Welcome to 30 for 30. I'm Nellie Gillis. When we think of historic moments in baseball, there's a long list. There's Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record, or Nolan Ryan getting 5,714 strikeouts, or Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. These all happened on the big stage, in Major League ballparks packed with fans, and millions more watching or listening from home. But the world isn't always watching when records are broken. In April of 1981, history was made during a minor league game in an old stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This is AAA baseball, one step below the major leagues. On the field are some future Hall of Famers, Wade Boggs and Cal Ripken Jr., and some names you've probably never heard of. 30 for 30 Podcasts brings you the longest game, the longest ever played in professional baseball. This story comes from the Radio Diaries podcast, and it's told by those who were there as the Pawtucket Red Sox and the Rochester Red Wings cement their place in history.
1: Red Wings play-by-play baseball.
6: This began as a game of absolutely no consequence.
1: Well, Bob Drew, along with Pete Perez here at McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island.
6: Pawtucket, Rhode Island is a city of about 70,000, working class, blue-collar. My name is Dan Barry. I'm a longtime journalist with The New York Times, and I wrote a book about this game. Pawtucket was quite proud of its distinction as the AAA base for the Boston Red Sox, And they had this stadium called
3: McCoy Stadium. It was kind of run down in those days and kind of beat up, but they ran a clean shop. They watched the drinking. They watched the swearing. Families took the kids there, and it was fun. Bill George, I was the official scorekeeper. It was an early season Saturday night. There
2: wasn't much we were playing for. It was just baseball as usual. My name is Mike Tamburo. I was the general manager of the Pawtucket Red Sox. 1,740 people were in attendance when the uh, game was started on April eighteenth.
6: The first pitch is thrown a little after 8 o'clock, and the game begins.
2: Cool and windy night here in Pawtucket,
1: Rhode Island. The wind blowing right in from center
2: field.
6: The conditions were terrible.
2: The wind was like a wall. It was like a big monster just slapping balls back at you. You'd hit a shot that you thought was going out, and the shortstop would make a play on it. Wind whipping up strong again. It was it was like nothing
1: I've ever seen. Now we're going to have to hold our papers down here in the press box. Can you imagine what it's like down on that field as cold as it is up here?
6: The players on the field are in their early 20s, and they look like porn stars from the nineteen eighties, okay? They have the mustache, the long hair, they're built, they're chiseled.
1: Wade the third baseman, will bat
7: six. This is Wade Boggs. I was the starting third baseman on that infamous night of nineteen
8: eighty one.
9: will it off for the wings. Cal Ripkin will
8: bat third. This is Cal Ripken. I played third base for the Rochester Red Wings. All of us were in the same boat. We were all young, and we all had the same fears, the same anxieties. Uh, We wanted to make it, and we wanted to make it bad.
6: So you have Cal Ripken and Wade Boggs, future Hall of Famers. Dave Koza will be at first base, batting fifth. But I think of Dave Koza as the near-perfect personification of the minor league baseball player.
10: My name is Dave Koza, and I was a first baseman for the Pawtucket Red Sox. To be a part of of AAA, uh, you know, you're you're only one step and forty miles from from Fenway Park. If you keep playing hard, maybe you can get to the top.
4: I don't think you could find more a team player than Dave was. Annie, life. I was married to Dave Koza. There are players that you know were in it for their own average. They're in it for their own celebrity, and that wasn't Dave he did whatever was best for the club
6: the difference between a minor league ball player's daily life and a major league ball player's daily life is a chasm triple a is like a
10: hamburger bus league they call it and uh, it was long bus rides we got a little envelope and it had our meal money in there you know enough for a couple hamburgers during the day or whatever that was about it
6: Everyone on the field, they all want to make it to the major leagues. Those who have already been to the major leagues want to get back. Those who have never been can't wait. But also, the managers want to manage in the major leagues. The umpires want to ump in the major leagues. It's gnawing at all of them, everyone who's on that field. So there's a hunger infused throughout the night.
1: Here's the pitch. There it is. The ground ball to second base. Harris got it through the first base The his retired.
4: My name is Linda Drew, and my husband Bob Drew. He was a general manager of the Rochester Red Wings, and he would announce the games. He thought he had a magnificent voice.
1: <laughs> Here's the two-two pitch. This is outside ball three.
6: This game is being broadcast by Bob Drew and Pete Torres. They're sitting in what is like a suspended mobile home that looms over the stadium. It looks like it's just held together with some duct tape. Normally, that broadcast would not be saved for posterity, basically because no one could care, right? So in the case of this game, and it's just serendipitous, Bob Drew had asked his fiancée back in Rochester, Linda, to
4: record it. I taped the games on the little transistor radios, and it had a tape cassette in it.
1: You fans back in Rochester, why don't you drop us a postcard? Strike three call as Dan took one looking.
6: For the first six innings of the game, it's following the usual rhythms.
3: There wasn't a lot of hitting, but in the top of the seventh, Rochester scored the first run of the game.
1: Chris Borges, singles the left field, driving in the lead run of the ball game. The Wings leading one
3: to nothing. And the bottom of the ninth. Pawtucket was in danger of losing the game, but being behind by only one run? I'm an optimist. I'm always thinking my team can still win this game. There's always hope. It was probably pushing close to
7: 11
6: o'clock. It looks like the game is almost over. The guy who comes up to the plate is the designated hitter, Russ Larrabee.
1: Here we go. Larrabee was struck out swinging in the fourth. He grounded out. He struck out in the sixth. Here's the pitch.
3: Russ Larrabee hit a fly ball, called a sacrifice fly, to the outfield. Pawtucket scored from third base on the fly ball. That tied it up one to one. Russell Arabia drove in the
7: tying run, so we were we were ecstatic that we had tied the game.
1: Manchester one,
9: Connecticut one.
6: Once the ball game goes into extra innings the intensity turns up a notch.
4: Around the 10th or 11th inning, my husband Bob called and he said, are you still taping? And I says, oh yeah, but I only got a few tapes left. And he says, I just got an inkling about this game and I just, I want you to keep taping. It was pretty late by then. So I call my girlfriend and she was married to a truck driver. So she was getting up at that time. And I says, the baseball game's still on and I'm running out of tapes. So she brings over a couple, and we tape over some of her stuff. Then I had to get into my Elvis Presley tapes. Man, this is insane.
6: She continues to record the game over the singing of Elvis Presley. And I've listened to the recording, and as you're listening to Bob Drew and Pete Torres, you can hear in the faint background the ghostly sounds of Elvis Presley.
1: Six
3: fouled off on the right side. One ball and one strike. Train I ride. Sixteen coaches long.
9: Well, it took my baby to
1: Listening to Rochester Red Wing Baseball on WPXM. It'll be Larrabee, Coza, and Boggs.
6: It's getting kind of close to midnight and no one's come close to scoring. There's no score in the 10th or the 11th or the 12th, or the 13th, or the 14th.
4: The crowd was thinning out more and more and more. It was Easter Eve. People wanted to get home and get the baskets ready for their kids
7: the home plate umpire sitting there and I said, hey Dennis, when's the game going to be called? He goes, I have no idea. We're just going to continue to play.
10: The big question was what about the curfew?
6: The players on the field and the managers in the dugout know that baseball has a curfew. No game shall continue beyond 12.50 in the morning, blah 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 blah
2: we've never had to play through a curfew, and now we're right up against it. Jack Leitz was the third-base umpire, and I called Jack over, and I said, you know, there's a curfew at 12.50 a.m. He said, Mike, that doesn't mean shit to me. He said, there's no curfew. It's not in our
6: manual. I've got to go by my manual. Normally, there would be a paragraph. It was a boilerplate paragraph talking about curfews, for some reason, that particular paragraph disappeared from the 1981 manual. uh, When it was being retyped by secretaries, who knows, it fell off the page and rolled under a table. No one knows, but the paragraph is not there. It's just unbelievable
2: that somebody made a proofreading error that created the opportunity
6: for this crazy night. You know, common sense would dictate that you would postpone the game. But that isn't how umpires
5: think. They are trained to follow the book. It's Talmudic. This interpretation manual is something that you must go by. It could be what you call the umpire's Bible. My name is Tony Mayners. I was a rookie umpire in Triple A baseball, Yes, it was cold, and it wasn't getting any better. The players were so tired, they were swinging and missing. They are almost like robots going up there, or mummies or so. I mean, they just couldn't perform. But there was no point in the evening where I would have even thought of going against what our book is actually saying.
6: The game continues into the great unknown of extra innings, which means it will go on and on until someone scores a winning run.
1: 0-1-2 oh and, and Pete and I have been standing up for the last four innings and trying to keep warm with our hands in our pockets.
2: After one o'clock in the morning, the concession stands were now giving away coffee and hot chocolate and hot dogs. We were just trying to stay alive and stay warm.
1: Count Joe, is one and two. They just came in and asked us if we'd like another cup of coffee. Well, I tell you, that would really hit the spot. We haven't had one in about an hour, Pete. <laughs> no, we haven't. Thank you, Bill. You know welcome. Mmm, that tastes good.
8: Nobody on the field had played that many innings. We resigned
7: to the fact that we weren't going to score. Neither team. We couldn't even get on base until the floodgates opened in the uh, 21st inning.
6: The Rochester Red Wings have a man on second, and the batter is Dave Huppert. And he doesn't have
1: any hits. Oh, two pitch. There's a shot to center field. He
6: hits a fly ball to center field, and it is a routine fly ball, but this is not a routine night. There's a 10th player on the field, and it is the wind. ¶¶ the wind takes the ball and sort of plays with it like a cat's toy, moving it back and forth in the air above the center field before finally dropping it. There's
1: a throw into second base, and Hupper's in there sliding with a double. Dave Hupper's first hit as a AAA ball player. It is Rochester 2, for Pawtucket 1.
8: A coke and a smile. There was an adrenaline push, there was a hope, we're gonna end this thing finally. You could feel the anticipation that we were gonna put this game to rest, and then we'll laugh about it in the clubhouse.
1: Well, we go into the bottom of the 21st inning here in Pawtucket.
6: Okay, so now it's the, the bottom of the 21st. The Pawtucket Red Sox are up at the plate.
1: causes the hitter.
10: I gotta go up there and stay positive and
6: get on base somehow,
5: some way.
1: There's the pitch. Popped up on the right side again. The wind is chasing it. Tommy Eaton running for it. He's underneath me. He drops
5: the second baseman. Starts sprinting, dives, misses the ball by two feet, and the batter got a double.
1: And they're gonna give Koza a, a base hit on that.
5: So now
6: Dave Koza is standing on second base.
1: Oh. By second, with a runner at second, one away. Wade Boggs
10: will be the hitter. There's always hope when Wade Boggs steps into the batter's box. I mean, he was a 300-plus hitter. Walking up to the plate, and I said,
7: oh my gosh, just a single through the infield has an opportunity for Dave to score.
4: I was not quiet at the ballpark. I would always scream. Bring him home, Wade! (laughs) <laughs> for all the powers that be, just bring him home.
1: Here's the 2-1 pitch. There's a fly ball to left field. Hale chasing, and he's not going to get it. It's going to be a fly ball game. Round clear comes the tying run.
2: We just tied the game up in the, at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Instead of cheering, I remember everybody moaning. Oh, my God, are we going to continue this? Uh, and yeah, we were. <laughs> Holy
1: cow, what a ball game we have had here tonight in Pawtucket. I tell you, Bob, so far this game is 5 hours and 12 minutes old, and there's only been 4 runs scored in 21 innings.
3: I looked out over the stadium uh, beyond the lights. It was so dark in Pawtucket that night. Everybody's sleeping. And we're playing baseball. It's crazy.
6: (laughs) The game reaches the twenty-second inning. There's the excitement that comes with extra innings, and then there are too
11: many extra innings.
1: Down, Williams. Dallas Williams leading off the twenty-second inning.
11: My name is Dallas Williams. When you're facing a guy one, two in the morning, everything looks unhittable. I was 0-4-8 at that point, and I said, "God damn! What the hell do I have to do to get a hit here?" So I laid down a bunt, and the ball hit me. An
1: attempted bunt foul at the plate. Oh geez! Now, Now Morgan is hollering at the third base umpire.
11: Joe Morgan thought that the ball hit me in fair territory, and the umpires didn't see it that way. Joe
6: Morgan, who's the manager of the Pawtucket Red Sox, is out on the field screaming at the home plate umpire because he says that Williams is
11: out.
1: He is really hot. Morgan is really hot.
11: I remember Joe running out and getting the umpire's face. He was pissed.
1: And I'm sure you can hear him through our microphones all the way up here. Okay, Joe Morgan has just been thrown out of the ballgame. And I think it's because he said, I don't give a darn or something like that. Yeah, Something <laughs> not do
11: that, Vic. <laughs> but Anyway. The umpire said, the hey, if you don't get off the field, I'm going to call the cops. And Joe said, what are you, crazy? What cop is going to come to the ballpark at 1 o'clock in the morning to throw a manager out of the field? Anyway,
1: he's been tossed out of the ballgame and he gets a good round of applause from the few people that are left here. Anyway, no balls and two strikes on Dallas Williams.
4: We're in the uh, 22nd... Everybody by that time was just punchy silly. I
1: forgot what I was going (laughs) to say. Anyway, here we go. (laughs) Now we have somebody coming out of the Red Wing dugout, all covered up with a towel or a blanket or something to keep warm. Everybody's bundled up so tight it's hard to tell who the players are. That'll bring up Cal Make that Cal Ripkin.
8: As we were getting colder, we found a uh, metal trash can, and we started building a fire so that we could warm our hands. Our broken bats became firewood. We were breaking off ends of the wood bench to burn. You know, we threw that in there.
4: We got invited to come down to Ben's box, the owner's box. And that's when the Chevis Regal Scotch came out. (laughs) And we were sitting there, I think it was me, Debbie Boggs. We were all just huddled under all these blankets, just taking swigs out of the bottle.
1: I'd like to thank all of you people who have stayed with us tonight. I hope you're having a big party back there in Rochester, and we're going to
5: try to win it for you.
4: There were people calling the ballpark, because their husband or son or whoever was not coming home.
5: Dennis Craig, the um, plate umpire, had brought his nephew to the ballgame at 1 o'clock. His mother is so concerned. This was before the cell phones, before the internets. She called the city, who called the county, who called the state. They were looking over every bridge, looking for taillights. Finally, they traced him back to the ballpark. The officer calls the mother and says, Ma'am, we have found your son. He is safe. They're in the 27th inning. It's 2.30, quarter of three, three o'clock, 3.10, 3.15. 21, 22, 23,
7: 24, 25...
1: 26, 27, there are 28 fans left in McCoy Stadium. <laughs> 28 loyal fans, uh, started out with 1,700, we're down to 28. Two people down there
4: Not for one there. second did I ever think, okay, I'm going to go home and sleep now. There was no way. I was there till the bitter end.
8: <laughs>
1: and Bob, for the fans that are still awake back in Rochester, I would like for you to... Listen to the post game show right after the conclusion of this ball game, if it ever does end.
12: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. So I'm going to tell it, Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. As the innings mounted and we got
2: to 25 innings, 27 innings, 30 innings, we
3: figured we've got to be close to a record here. Baseball history puts a lot of emphasis on records. Most hits in a game, uh, most home runs hit in a season, most this, most that, all kinds of crazy records. I'm thinking, wow, we have a chance here tonight in little old Pawtucket, Rhode Island, to get in the history books. It became what you were playing for at some point,
2: you know, because something good had to come out of this crazy night, or else we all froze our rear ends off for nothing.
10: You know, I think everyone kind of wanted it to be over. But then again, you don't want to give up a win.
2: There's a pitch. There's a ground ball that might gets through
1: there. A diving stopped by Bob. He's up. Throw to first base in time.
7: From 22 to 25, I made three diving plays. I didn't want to go home that night a loser.
1: I
4: tell you, these these two teams are really competitive tonight, Bob. It was just the battle. It was just the battle for the last run, the one that was going to come in and end the game.
1: To try to break the 2-2 deadlock, it's been tied since the 21st. My goodness. And, Bob, we played exactly eight hours. They always told me I had a big mouth, but I didn't know I I could talk for eight hours straight.
6: Here it is, 4 o'clock in the morning, the 32nd inning. It's even absurd to say that in baseball, to say the 30-second inning. Rochester gets a guy on second base. Uh, the batter hits a single to right field.
1: There's a shot. It might get through there. It does. Out in the right field for a base hit.
3: John Hale is rounding third. Hale was trying to score. It would have been the ball game, you know, put Rochester ahead. The manager for
6: the Rochester Red Wings
3: is waving his arms like a
6: windmill Get your ass home. Get home. The right fielder for the Pawtucket Red Sox is Sam Bowen. Now, Bowen has to try and throw this guy out. And the entire game rides on this play. So let's pause here. (laughs) Imagine being Sam Bowen. You've been in right field for seven-plus hours on and off. Uh, I asked Bowen... Did you ever think about not giving it your best throw? Maybe throwing it over the backstop? And Bowen really <laughs> got angry with me. He said, this is what I do. I am not going to do anything less than my best. Even though this guy is never going to make it back to the major leagues, and he knows it, God damn it, he is not going to let this guy score.
2: Sammy takes it on two hops and makes a throw, a, a tremendous throw, nails the runner at the plate.
1: Here comes the lead run around the score and they're gonna yeah. get him. And he was thrown out from the right fielder to the catcher and that ends the inning. This is unbelievable.
2: You make that play in the top of the ninth, it's a great play. You make that play in the top of the 32nd, it's a, it's a historic play. To me, it spoke to the true grit of a professional baseball player that in the top of the 32nd inning at 4 o'clock in the morning that he would throw out a guy at home plate in those circumstances. So at
1: the end of 32, is still all tied up at 2. Hey, I'll
12: switch to start.
11: At 4 in the morning, mentally, I kind of lost it. I was saying baseball could kiss my ass tonight because this is not the way baseball is supposed to be played. When is this shit going to end?
6: So all through the night, ever since the 15th inning, uh, Mike Tamburo of the Pawtucket Red Sox has been calling Columbus, Ohio. He's been calling the home of a guy named Harold Cooper, who is the president of the International League and who has authority to call the game? We called at two o'clock and he
2: didn't pick up. And we called at three o'clock and he didn't pick up. And we called at 3 30 and he didn't pick up. It wasn't until about quarter of four in the morning that he finally answered the phone. He, he was in a deep sleep or he was out in some gin mill someplace uh, living it up. I said, Harold, It's quarter of four in the morning. We're still playing ball. He said, you're still playing baseball? There's absolutely a curfew. I got Jack Leitz, the third base umpire, brought him into the office.
1: Now the third base umpire is out to the Pawtucket dugout, and so we don't know what the heck's going on.
6: Cooper basically says, end it now. End the fucking game.
1: (laughs) And at 4.07 in the morning on Easter Sunday... The umpires have finally suspended this ball game, and it will have to be played off at a later date.
2: We decided, let's conclude this game when Rochester would make their next appearance at McCoy Stadium and give these players at least some time off to get some rest.
1: Pete, you got a final word? So, i just like to say that both teams played hard the whole 32 innings, and win or lose... The Rochester Red Wings and the Pawtucket Red Sox are to be commended for a job well done today. Once again, the final score from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the Rochester Red Wings 2, the Pawtucket Red Sox 2 in a suspended game for Pete Therese and Howie Burns, our engineer back at WPXN. This has been Bob Drew. So long, everybody. Good morning, WPXN.
3: I looked over right field fence, I saw light in the sky. It was actually the beginning of dawn. It was a beautiful Easter Sunday morning.
6: I think that there are plenty of people who would think the minor leagues as not that impressive. No, he played minor league ball. No, so you never made it to the majors, I guess, you know, so you you probably aren't that good. You have to think about the millions of boys and girls who played baseball in the Sandlot, played in the Little Leagues, were lucky enough to make their high school baseball team. They made it to their college team. To play college ball is impressive. To play minor league ball is really, really impressive. By the time you make it to the Triple A. You are an exceptional ball player.
9: From McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, on a beautiful, sunshiny late afternoon. I'm John Miller, along with Ken Coleman, fitting you off
2: into June 23rd was when Rochester came back to town and we were gonna complete the longest game.
6: In the two months between innings, Major League Baseball went on strike.
2: Major League players
9: now officially on strike. In fact, the owners said today, quote, the season is canceled
12: until further notice.
2: Big leagues are on strike, and we're the only game in town. It would be the biggest baseball game, probably the biggest sporting event in the country that day.
9: This is the most attention that the city of Pawtucket, Rhode Island has had since a number of years back when, believe it or not, the camel at the local zoo here got drunk. The camel went berserk. They had to shoot the camel and animal lovers from all over the country sent nasty letters to the mayor of Matucket. Well, I tell you now, Tom, Matucket will always be known as the place where they played the longest game in the history of baseball instead of where they shot the drunken camel.
2: 5,800 people came to the game. The place was sold out. The people who couldn't get tickets were on were standing on top of their cars looking over the fence.
10: Some walked out on the field and there's cameras and and press like you've never seen before. It was like being in the big leagues, really.
12: The Armed Forces Radio and
2: Television Service. We had the Armed Service Radio. We had the Minichi Daily News from Tokyo. We had the BBC. Baseball, in theory, can go on forever. And last time, it just about did. It ran for eight hours
7: and seven minutes, ending after four o'clock in the morning with no results. And
1: this in a country where they think that cricket is boring.
6: Finally, the umpires shoo everyone away so that the baseball game can resume.
9: We'll pick it up in the 33rd inning. And the banner now is Cal Ripken, Jr.
8: In the top of the 33rd, I got a single up the middle, which uh, made my 1-for-12 night uh, turn into 2-for-13, which uh, I was kind of happy about.
9: Ripken with a lead away from first base. And O'Hita throws, and there's a fly ball into left field. Running in on it is Walker. He's there. He's got it. And we will go to the last half of the 33rd inning. Tied at two.
10: Bottom of the 33rd. I think
6: the pressure was already in motion. The first batter is Marty Barrett. He gets hit by a pitch. And we got a guy on first. The next batter is Chico Walker. He gets a single now all of a sudden we got a guy on first and third the next batter is russ larraby he is walked the bases are
9: loaded and dave koza strong right-handed banner will be coming to the plate
4: i couldn't even imagine what was going through dave's mind it was just a lot of pressure a real lot of pressure like the eyes of the baseball world were on him You've lived your whole life for this moment. One
9: ball, one strike is the count on Coza.
10: Cliff Speck is on the mound, the pitcher for Rochester. I recall fouling off a couple pitches. That kind of told me that I was a little bit anxious.
4: When he would swing and miss, I would just, oh, okay, gather your thoughts, gather your thoughts. Just see the ball coming. Just see where you're going to put it.
10: I just tried to focus and tried to block out everything that I could, you know. It's just me and the guy on the mound.
9: Two balls, two strikes on Dave Koza. Speck works to the belt.
10: He throws me a curveball that, that pitch gets me out almost every time.
4: I may have had my hands clapped in prayer. <laughs> At that moment, I just remember just holding my breath.
9: The 2-2 pitch. Line drive. base hit left field.
6: After I I made contact, I just, I I looked up. It floats over the head of the future Hall of Famer, Cal Ripken Jr., who could do nothing to stop it. And it lands in the grass in the short outfield, and Marty Barrett touches home plate. This game is
9: history as Dave Cosa drives in Marty Barrett.
10: I touched first base, and by the time I, I turned around to head back, you know, our teammates were, were coming out on the field.
9: And the entire Matucka team is now out on the field congratulating Kosa.
4: He was in the middle of this mayhem. I was trying to get down to give him the high five or something and couldn't even get near because all the fans were, you know, against the rail.
2: place went absolutely bonkers. Uh, It's like we had won the seventh game of the World Series.
9: And the Pawtucket Red Sox have won the longest game in history of organized professional baseball. This game is over. At the end of 33 innings, the game ends with Pawtucket winning by a score of 3-2.
2: For one day, Dave Koza was the king of baseball.
9: The attention of baseball-hungry fans has been captured by a minor league game in Rhode Island. The game, the longest in baseball history, finally ended last night. James Walker reports.
10: The manager had asked me if you want to be on Good Morning America. He said it's going to be you and and Cal Ripken, Jr.
9: Hello, fellas.
1: Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. You had quite a night, didn't you, Dave? And then oh, you yeah. won it last night. How'd you do that?
9: Well, there it was. Bases loaded, no one out, and I'm up at the plate, and uh, I just wouldn't want to be anywhere else right then. <laughs> you made
1: sure you touched first base, though, didn't you? Yes,
9: I did. <laughs> yeah, it was secure
1: that ball game. Well, you've created history, fellas. It was a great ball game, and congratulations to you all, winners and losers.
9: Thank Back you, John. Thank you. Bye-bye.
6: The minor leaguer is always hearing time clearing its throat. So you could be 19 and 20, the future is just wide open for you, okay? And you're going to make it to the major leagues. Now you're 25, you have not been called up, and now there are players who are younger than you, you know, warming up beside you. By the time you're 26, 27, and 28, time is saying, what are we doing here? You're married. You have a couple of kids. You're playing a boys' game. You're not getting paid all that much. You can't live on the free tobacco chew they're giving you in the clubhouse. You very much feel the eyes of others on you. And so if you're Dave Koza playing for the Pawtucket Red Sox, you're almost there. Being so close, it drove
10: me nuts. It really did. Just always hoping that I would get that shot, you know, to play at Fenway Park. I played for two more seasons. Here I am, 29 years old. Made an appointment to go see the uh, minor league director, Ed Kenny, in Boston. And the meeting didn't last, I don't think, more than 10 minutes. He said that they weren't interested in me, and he pretty much made it clear that, no, the Red Sox were not going to, you know, offer me a contract. And that's it. That was going to be the end of it as far as me playing baseball again. It just wasn't meant to be.
4: I remember being out in the parking lot of McCoy. We were packed up to go, and... We had this tiny little newborn baby in the back seat, and um, (laughs) it was heart wrenching that he wasn't going to be playing the next season.
2: Without knowing it, the longest game was going to be the most important day of his career, and he didn't realize it at the time. Those are the guys that I really admired the most in all my years in this business—the guys who had put up big numbers, who had worked hard. We call them 4A players, because they're not big leaguers and they're not A. They're a little bit above, but not above enough.
6: In the years to come, Wade Boggs and Cal Ripken Jr. wind up having Hall of Fame careers. Dallas Williams wound up getting Major League playing time and he became a well-respected batting instructor and coach and he's still in the game to this day. Dave Koza never played a single game in Major League Baseball but his bat and his portrait did make it to Cooperstown.
11: Dave Coza has been in the Red Sox farm system for the past seven years but never, never has there been a night like tonight. Coza and Marty Barrett, who scored the winning run, forever now will be immortalized in baseball's Hall of Fame because no one has ever played 33 innings before. And until two teams do it again, Dave Coza and all the Pawtucket Red Sox are a unique chapter in baseball's long history. And it all happened right here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. As Phil Rizzuto, the Yankees' play-by-play announcer, likes to say... How do you like that?
0: In 2021, the Pawtucket Red Sox, under new ownership, left the city they'd called home for more than 50 years and moved to Worcester, Massachusetts. The old McCoy Stadium, with its murals to honor baseball's longest game, now stands empty. This story was produced by me, Nellie Gillis, of the Radio Diaries podcast. We're a part of PRX's Radiotopia network. It was edited by Deborah George, Ben Shapiro, and Joe Richman, and mixed by Brendan Baker. Our archival producer was Megan Coyle, and our production assistant was Delilah Ryder. Dan Barry was our consulting producer. If you want to learn more about this game, check out Dan's book, Bottom of the 33rd. The ESPN 30 for 30 podcast team includes senior editorial producer Eve Trow, line producer Kath Sankey, associate producer Gus Navarro, executive producers Marsha Cook, Brian Lockhart, and Rob King. Licensing support from Jennifer Thorpe. Fact-checking was done by Daniel Tomorrow. Additional thanks to ESPN's 30 for 30 development and production teams. That's Adam Newhouse, Tara Nadolny, Trevor Gill, Marquise Daisy, Isabella Seaman, and Diamante McKelvey. I'm Nellie Gillis.